Hit Podcast. Welcome to episode four of the Big Man Beard Podcast. We've got the wonderful Lucy. Hello. And we're really overjoyed to have Mike Barrows here. Hi, Mike. Hello there, you're right. Hi, how are you today? Good. Yeah, busy working away, but yeah, it's, uh, I'm, yeah looking forward to having a chat to you today. Super. So, uh, I guess we we'll start with a little bit about you, who you are, and what 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 do you do? Yeah. So, I currently work for a uh, children and adolescent mental health service in uh, West Yorkshire. Uh, I've been working with with families and young people for about kind of twelve years. So, um, so I'm used to kind of doing kind of one to one kind of sessional work with uh, with young people, or I've even kind of done like kind of family. Um, kind of setups before where we kind of look at certain interventions around kind of parenting strategies or um, or just about kind of communication styles and stuff like that so um, yeah so it's just generally kind of doing a lot of kind of work with young people in in mental health really um, largely between the ages of of 5 to 18 Um, so yeah so that's kind of been the last 12 years of my life really and um, yeah still still kind of working hard at it Wow. That's really great. So is it a is it a field that's come on tremendously over the last twelve years as the awareness of mental health has risen? Or is it something that is still fighting to build that awareness and that importance within? I think the the awareness is certainly there. I think it's one of those kind of well kind of talked about things I think it's very kind of present within in the media and stuff like that again how many people kind of really sit down and talk about it is I think it's still a bit of a of a mystery and I think there's still there's probably a lot more kind of champions of mental health than there there used to be Um, and again probably it's down to you know kind of social medias I think a lot of the kind of main tv soaps have kind of started to adopt a lot uh, adopt a lot of kind of different uh, kind of situations you know like kind of in terms of looking at suicide and kind of depression anxiety and and difficult kind of life situations and playing those out and and then afterwards it has kind of like you know if you have difficulties in any of these areas you know call these services and whatnot um so yeah I think it's it's certainly become one of those bigger things and I think it's like kind of anything that wasn't really talked about much it's starting to get more airtime the more opportunity people do have to talk about it you know um i mean you've got to look at things like kind of the lg uh, lgbtq movement you know it's, you know 20 odd years ago it was not it was considered this kind of terrible thing and now it's a really kind of socially accepted you know and it's kind of creating huge movements in the world and i think mental health is probably a bit ahead of that but still a difficult subject and I think I still think a lot of people have a few stuck notions about what it means um, and again I think probably the, the most recent lockdown has kind of uh, left us kind of questioning it the most recently uh, in terms of kind of well-being and mental health and what that really means um, and I think as I said you know I was listening to your uh, the homeschooling podcast that you did you know back in February and yeah and I think it's that uh, fragility that have all kind of developed a little bit where you kind of said that most people's kind of buckets are feeling rather full you know the glass is pretty full and we're kind of noticing that now um, so I think there's a, probably a greater appreciation now for mental health. Yeah and what I'd like to, to kind of understand or, 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 or maybe even push in a way is to seek advice or to seek training or work within your mental health you don't have to wait to the point where you're broken. Hmm. 
And how do you see that in children? Because previously, I think it's, it was ne until we went on this journey that we're going on, never really considered certain impacts on mental health on our children. Yeah. And I would only would have considered it at the point that was an issue. Yeah. yeah. So are you finding people interacting with you before there's an issue or is it tends to still be kind of after there's an issue and there needs to be some sort of remediation? Yeah, I don't think people are very kind of proactive in the sense of forward thinking of kind of like, OK, well, I've got my return to school in, you know, I'm going to have to return to school at some point. You know, how, how am I going to deal with that? And, and talking about that, particularly with ourselves in, in mental health services, I think there are probably conversations happening elsewhere, if anything. But um, to kind of go with your, you know, the glass full kind of analogy, you know, if you think of of ourselves kind of like you know I, I use the analogy of a bucket instead um, and the idea of kind of all the things that kind of fill you up is, is the energy that kind of stresses you out and when you're kind of getting towards the top your your body will start to give you physical symptoms to kind of show that you're getting stressed out um, and kind of most notably these are uh, kind of new aches and pains particularly around kind of the neck and shoulders because that tends to be where that that stressful tension is kind of kept so you know noticing that young people are kind of stretching more or even noticing yourselves doing that kind of feeling like you're kind of you're hunched a lot more and, and that kind of you know neck and shoulder pain is kind of more present um, changes in sleep patterns in terms of maybe sleeping more or sleeping less and the same with appetite too it just being a bit kind of erratic and up and down um, irritability you know and just feeling kind of sad for kind of no reason or no kind of clear trigger to these things uh, and and again the same with kind of being easily triggered into into anger um and again other things as well that kind of shows us that we're kind of stressed over prolonged periods of time is that we become increasingly more unwell in the sense of kind of more prone to kind of coughs and and colds and things like that so if you feel like you kind of always kind of have a never-ending cold that's probably kind of part of you know, your, your reduced immune system because largely you're stressed out. It's not really kind of getting that time to kind of recover, uh, which is kind of common for teachers, actually. So whenever teachers kind of have holidays, you know, in terms of kind of term holidays, usually they spend the first week of it ill um, because they're just kind of relaxing and it just, you know, um, it's that kind of onset of all those, uh, that reduced uh, immune system. Um, so in terms of what I see, I guess that's kind of what I, I see because I guess that's what, we're there to deal with um, whereas I think a lot of the early stuff you know I think recently particularly with teenagers we kind of question oh, are they just being is this kind of teenage behavior for them to be a bit moody and a bit down you know well they can't go anywhere so no wonder they're isolating themselves in the room a bit more um, and I think you know young people who've always been a bit of a closed book you know as kind of parents can say well they never really tell us anything anyway yeah I think that that in itself yeah, a concern as well because again it's that well this is normal for them so uh, I think a lot of people kind of get confused about what is normal and what's not yeah um, and for me I, I think um, particularly over this last year I mean we can't ignore it I mean we've been talking about it a lot um, the pandemic and the effects that it's having on our children when the re children do return to school obviously twice a week or once a week they have physical edu education they have PE where they go out on the playground and they run around and you know that does them the world of good 
would they not benefit from having a um an all-round mental health session so not just one for physical exercise but one for um their mental exercise as well i mean i know jake has something called enrichment Mm -hmm. um on a friday afternoon i'm not a hundred (laughs) percent exactly what they do in enrichment i think they've done yoga a few times um and um maybe made some fruit kebabs um i'm not quite sure but i i I think maybe moving forward they should definitely introduce something into schools just like pe where they have something specifically for their mental health yeah and i can hear all the teachers in the world rolling their eyes at that because it's kind of like (laughs) yeah what else do they 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 needed to to do because yeah yeah, you're right they do enrichment they do things like golden time there's something called circle time which is all about talking about difficulties really and it's about kind of that nurturing uh environment and i think you know again high schools have i always get this wrong is it p p P-S-H-E, I think it's called. Yeah, P-S-M, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And again, that's to talk about kind of, again, non-curricular stuff, you know, so different kind of things throughout throughout the world. And again, it's it's difficult, really, because again, you know, there's so much kind of going on to the world, kind of what's really kind of there to to teach kids. So I think it is about, you know, as you said, making them aware of certain kind of good habits. But I think the habit habit of anything is kind of keeping it up. so yeah whether there is some sort of kind of daily check-in which is kind of what circle time's about it's you know how's everybody feeling what's going on and is anybody struggling today and how do we help that person and primary schools certainly have the capacity to do that i think high schools less so yeah Uh, so i think that could be a bit of a difficulty my 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 question around that kind of that group session is you're having Mm. a group session about something that's so specific to you Who's going to put the hand up and go, I'm not feeling great today. I'm not in the great mm-hmm. mental space. Amongst all your peer group, all your group, when you're in that child state where you, being popular is important, being cool is important, having the latest trainers are important, and now with social media having the most followers. Or you just may not want anyone else to know. Yeah. That takes an incredibly strong person, even as an adult in your own group, mm-hmm. Now, mm. to go stand up and go, do you know what? I'm having a really shit day and I'm struggling. Yeah. And yeah. that's the tough thing about mental health is that quite often people feel like they're the only ones experiencing it. So they're not going to want to talk about it because, again, it's that, well, I'm going to be different in some way. And, and that's certainly kind of pertinent for, for teenagers more than anything else because it is about that that sense of conformity. Where do I fit into the world? And if everybody else is okay and I'm not, what does that say about me? You know, and, and it's very much that kind of looking inwards. There is that kind of shyness to, to say anything. I think younger children may struggle with the language to say those things. And that's, they'd, they don't have that level of insight within themselves to kind of say, I'm a bit unhappy today and I don't know why. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I, I'm, I, I read somewhere this completely wrong um, that... Um, sort of children with um maybe an adhd or or something along those lines they one of their main traits is they really find it difficult to express the right words Mm -hmm. um for their particular feelings so how they're feeling um so if they're feeling frustrated or angrily angry um they will express it in a completely different way um and i just thought wow that's you know another thing 
on top of everything else that these children have to deal with um, to really sort of get to grips with helping them in, in the right manner. I mean, I don't know if that's something that's right or you've heard yeah, of that. It's, yeah, yeah it's, both, <laughs> it's both part of ADHD and both the autism spectrum as well, actually, is what we call emotional regulation. So things like... Um, uh, again, in the podcast, you know, Sal talked about the tap being broken and he just flipped, you know, and again, your ability to kind of remain calm through that. And that's, we call it that a regulation. If you're able to kind of, you know, bring yourself down and kind of go and just kind of bring yourself back to that kind of rational level of thought, then that's kind of some good kind of regulation. Whereas if you generally just struggle to do that anyway, you know, you are going to be kind of kicking off a lot. You are going to be kind of having these kind of outbursts of behaviour. There may also be some kind of like regression in behaviour, particularly with uh, with children, um, you know, younger children. It's kind of going backwards almost. Um, and yeah, and I think it is, again, that that's the challenge for the younger end children. So, you know, I mean, it's incredibly insightful that your eight-year-old has been kind of asking, well, why is it that kids don't talk about it? And adults are saying we need to or we need to think about it. And it's largely because they don't have the skills or the knowledge of how to um, because a lot of parents don't see that as kind of something that's necessary it's just kind of that you know are oh, you falling over or well, yeah you're sad and it hurts but come on let's just get back up and get on with it and it's these kind of messages and then I think when they get a bit more autonomy like teenagers I think we kind of have slightly less control over those emotions and those things and we could probably give them a little bit more uh, space to explore those emotions that and again, we're still not probably explaining them very well to them. So again, it really depends on that, what we call emotional literacy, that ability to, to describe things um, so other people can understand them. So I think I have a love-hate relationship with the term toxic po positivity. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek. And he was saying, you know, part of when children go into the adult world, it, a lot of it's from failed parenting, he was describing that. We're telling them you can be anything you want in the world and you can do anything you want in the world. You can be anything. And they're exposed to so many things that proves that concept. There's all these 16, 17, 18 year old Instagram YouTubers earning millions of money, you know, all by doing what looks like to someone like me, basic activities of cooking, sharing ideas, jovially, being jovial. Yeah. And then they go into the real world and it's not like that and they leave school and they're not going to get a pay rise just because they want it. And I remember having a conversation with someone in, in, in my work where they wanted a pay rise because their friend earned more money. And I tried to explain to them that sometimes you have to win the league to get the trophy. And I have horrendous sporting football <laughs> analogies, which my team love, I'm sure, on a daily basis. But I was saying, you've got to, you've got to win the league you've got to put all that effort in to try and win the league. At the end of that, the possibility of a reward. But you have to put that in first. And the response I got back was, well, if it's not guaranteed, why would I put the effort in? And I'm wondering, you know, is that true? So Simon said it related to it as a failed parenting, telling our kids they can be anything, and then just because they want it, rather than that hard work and graft to get in there, is that true? Is that something that, that, that you see, Mike, out there? Or is that just a, a, a nice explanation for a current situation? Um, I mean, yeah, Simon Sinek does the, the millennial problem as well, doesn't it? You know, talking about our, the generation of, kind of, I think, 
people born post is it 1985 I think are these millennials and it's about this kind of entitled kind of mindset and things and, and such like that um, and yeah I think there is a, a notion of kind of instant gratification and just kind of that idea of you see someone as you say doing a simple activity on on YouTube that kind of they're just playing a computer game why is it they've got you know 300,000 people kind of watching them and you know what is it about that person and yeah they probably don't appreciate all the legwork that kind of takes to to get to that and again I think as parents as well it's also of that kind of like well you can be anything you want but don't be a YouTuber because that's useless that's not going to get you anything you know and and I think it's again it's depending on kind of what we as parents kind of value to be proper professions you know and what young people now kind of see as kind of current professions you know what is actually out there uh, and I think there's a bit of a disparity in kind of what parents think our children can achieve and what children think they can achieve um, and yeah it's that kind of instant gratification kind of thing of well you know what's in it what's next what's in it for me kind of um, kind of mindset to things um, and I think yeah for like the 16 to 18 year olds at the moment where um, you know the idea of this kind of rite of passage almost of kind of sitting exams and then kind of going to university and all this kind of stuff it's been massively changed and they've kind of lost this kind of pathway that they're meant to follow um so something i've uh, kind of come to know to be the kind of the script of things um and they've kind of felt massively lost because that's been taken away by the current you know come pandemic and the you know three kind of uk-based lockdowns mm. do you I think, think that... that's that's a bad thing though should, should we change the pathway? <gasps> well, I think it's, it's one of these kind of socially constructed things. It's the idea that everyone else believes it to be kind of that's what you should do. And I mm. think, yeah, I think young people kind of see, well, that's what should just happen. And, and when yeah. they lose that, they lose all kind of sense of direction and they feel completely lost. And I think without that, yeah, again, it is that kind of a what's you know, what am I actually doing? You know, and, you know, 16 to 18 year olds are very much about that kind of existential kind of angst of what kind of adult I'm going to be, you know, and, you know, I think life's a bit kind of like a, a, a downward facing triangle. It kind of goes narrow and narrow and narrow the longer you kind of go into it. Mm. I, think, I, I think for the, for the listeners out there, that if you go to hobbyisthealthprojects.com, Mike's got a website out there and he's put some blogs on and one was life and the script where he's, he's articulating what it is now but I think it's a real interesting concept that we, we do try and I mean I, I try and put a, a script on the kids I ask them what they want to be yeah you do and, yeah all the time try and get them to do but my intention is to get them to be proactive and do the work and put the effort in don't just expect the result but am yeah. I part of the problem by if they don't do that, are they somehow not fulfilling my expectations and therefore putting more pressure on them? And I should take a step back from them a little bit and allow them to be themselves in that way. And it's that high idea of why should they know at 17, 18 what their life kind of progress is going to be? How, do they, how should they know what that kind of profession is, you know, is it's that they're kind of aiming for? You know, they've just been in education for the last kind of 15 years of their life. You That's know, so true. the first opportunity to be free and start to kind of not be under else's, you know, someone else's direction. Yeah. I think Why we should almost be- have like a reset, reset when you're in your sort of like 
mid 30s or 40s because I always say I still don't know what I want to be I still haven't got a clue there's loads of things that I really enjoy and that I think I could put my hand to um and I have sort of I've I've narrowed it down to about five or six (laughs) but I still think and and especially even in my 20s yeah I know it's a bit of a cliche but you're just still working out who you are I mean you're very lucky if you've already sussed it and a lot of people have and it's not until I don't know what age, maybe 32, 33. I just thought, oh, here I am. This is all right. I quite like this little place where I'm in and who I am. And, you know, I mean, still not what maybe that I've achieved all the goals and dreams that I wanted. I mean, I always wanted to be an actress. I always wanted to be an Emma Thompson, but I was never allowed to go to drama school. My parents said that... um, I had to do all my exams um, and then I could, um, like you say, with the roadmap, I had to follow that map, get my education and then if I wanted to do it. And by that time, well, it's too late because I need to get a job because I've got bills to pay and the real world hits and and that I sort of, you know, sort of put that dream to bed, if you like. Yeah, and, and again, it's the other expectations along the way, isn't it? You know, so you should be 18, you should be going out and doing, you know, you should be, and I'm going to say that kind of with quotation marks, in terms of you should be going out, you should be kind of, you know, dating and kind of experiencing the world a bit and getting a job and getting experience and earning your own money and developing your own independence. And, you know, and then when you're ready, moving out. And if you're with someone long enough, you know, you should be marrying each other and starting a family, you know, if you're kind of following a heterosexual kind of line there. You know, but again you know young people don't want to fit to that and i think that's you know um you know in terms of kind of gender stereotypes and things like that of kind of you know what are we expected to do based on what gender roles we have and things and i think young young people now are trying to really kind of break out of that and but unfortunately when you break out of something like that it's you going into an uncertainty you've no idea really kind of what you're building or kind of moving towards it's just that you don't like the current restrictions you're going to try and kind of go out of that Uh, and that's kind of quite anxiety provoking because you're going into a whole new situation that you you know you've no idea how that's going to pan out and again there's things like yourself lucy if you can say well i always wanted to be an actress why couldn't you be now that now yeah oh i'm far too lazy now (laughs) (laughs) can't be bothered to put in any effort (laughs) yeah it's it's time it's opportunity it's you know and again i think that's um probably something that the, the pandemic's probably going to make us reevaluate quite a lot um and again this is kind of why the the hobbies health projects kind of thing i i created because it was around I, I lost my hobbies over the um over the pandemic so i've kind of lost a huge amount of kind of what made me me really in terms of kind of things I enjoyed and, and wasn't able to do that and instead of being kind of stuck feeling like a parent who can't take my kids anywhere and give them any sort of opportunity so you know just feeling rubbish um, and it's you know I think as you kind of talked about before the idea of just waiting for it to end and actually not appreciating what we can do now um, and I think that, again that's kind of where again kind of 16 to 18 year olds have kind of got more lost because it's that idea of well when am I going to get back on the path again? When am I going to kind of be back on this kind of, you know, this thing I should be doing and I'm missing the opportunity of now? Um, you know, and as some, as you say, kind of just go into escapism, just disappear and just wait for it to end. Some are sat there stewing over it and some are actually getting proactive and kind of going, well, you know, 
uh, you know, the amount of blooming Facebook businesses I've seen pop up, you know, selling sweets and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. so true. Yeah. So they're the people who've kind of gone, well, how do I make the most of a crap situation? You know, how do I can take mm. control of this? Um, do you think, I mean, it's very hard to say, isn't it? And we are all individual and it's, you know, a lot of the time on an individual basis. But do you think maybe 10 years or five years from now or even less that we will see an impact um, from this um, pandemic in our children sort of in the, the, the years to come? Or do you think it will just be there, this will be part of their roadmap as it were i think for teens you know uh, so for example um again yeah, it's quite apt again but you know you talked about um who the heck's doing surveys these days yeah and there's the, there's a service called young minds who's um kind of always been kind of big advocate for young young people's mental health and they have been doing surveys with around kind of two thousand young people who've kind of been filling this in uh, and 60, 65, 67% of young people who've answered this questionnaire believe that it will have a, um, a long-term effect. And this is young people kind of age 13 to 25. Wow. That so, is, and, that's massive, yeah, actually. And, is, and they think it's largely around whether friendships will recover, in a sense, because they've had that distance so much, that sense of isolation, whether that's going to change their relationships for the worst. Or again, because they've missed out on certain opportunities, whether that's going to have you know impacts on kind of educational prospects for finding work. And again, the same with unemployment. You know, is that you know if they're told that there's no jobs out there, it's you know how does that make them feel about the idea of getting one? Uh, so it's yeah, kind of... the anxiety behind trying to find a job um, before you're even ready to find a job, I suppose, knowing mm. that you may really really struggle it's just yeah another additional worry that maybe they wouldn't have had before so mm. here's because my head's just come up with a random thing so oh I'm good just, if this takes us off on a tangent no no i love to go for love it. a good love a good tangent there's more and more conversations around the term resilience yeah, yeah. so with our children has covid exposed a lack of resilience or has it built an opportunity to build it so because they've had to go through yeah something that no one could foresee or control that they've actually built some emotional resilience up or has it exposed a lack of it my experience would say both are true um, yeah, and certainly kind of the, the influx of young people that we've seen kind of coming through kind of mental health services, I think that would kind of show where, you know, I think again, it goes kind of back to that kind of, you know, the emotional bucket kind of thing about how do we kind of get rid of that energy? And, and again, if you're stripped of all your coping strategies, you know, what have you got left? really how do you deal with this stuff and if you if you're stuck at that point where you kind of you know you can't adapt to that kind of situation kind of make the most of a situation or or find ways to kind of get creative uh, and develop new coping strategies or uh, adapt to the ones that you're using then yeah you're going to get stuck and then and again you know uh, and that's going to kind of highlight that that lack of resilience really and i think that's probably shown it for both young people and for adults as well of kind of where we've really had to kind of think about who's looking after me at the end of the day that's really interesting because one thing i 
talk and, and it's advice I give to some of my friends as well and, and, and people who, who, who I work with as well as their children is kind of that three things so we I'm always thinking is whether it, you know I used to think it was something I was slightly embarrassed about because it wasn't very manly or, or whatever but I always think three yeah. things in the morning that I want to achieve that day and then mm-hmm. when I go to bed I think whether I've achieved those three things and what have I got to be grateful for and it might be a little bit out there in, in, in terms but I've always done that since I was I was younger and it's something that uh, when I go to bed I know I've always achieved something that's so in really terms good. Of resilience and, and, and doesn't matter how rubbish my day is, there's three things I've always achieved and there's something I'm grateful for. Even in my darkest moments when I was suffering. I'm not sure I understand. Siri, my watch doesn't agree with me. Couldn't get better timing for that, could you? No. But that's something I've always done and, and I know spoke to people who've worked for me and, and when they've been struggling and we've talked about it it's something they've fed back that's actually helped them that that to have that kind of stuff and it's something i spoke to jake and charlie about yeah like, what is it you're grateful for what is it you've achieved today and if you've got no just picks it can be simple things like making your bed yeah There's- well we used to sit around the table and play at um dinner time sort of what were your highlights what were your lowlights of the yeah. day and it didn't ha- even have to be anything serious like um you know not that you'd achieved well in a test and your low light was you didn't get to play with your particular friends it could you know be anything couldn't it but i i really enjoy doing that but and, and now the children absolutely hate it <laughs> but but are they generic kind of toolkits or things like that that you put in play with the people that you work with that that maybe you can share that people can listen to this and take something away and go oh I'm going to try that yeah I mean what you're doing is is really helpful because what you're doing is you know often when people in general kind of experience any sort of kind of lowness in their mood um, if you kind of think about your day-to-day beliefs as kind of like a set of scales and when we kind of get low, we start to kind of develop what we call this kind of yeah, but voice. It's this over-focus on kind of negatives. And you start to kind of add a lot of kind of negative information on, on kind of one side. So after a while, we stop kind of seeing the positive so easily. And it, and it just becomes this kind of over-focus and this, this kind of always kind of finding the negative in any situation. And again, you could probably, you know, most people kind of put down to teenagers, but it's that also that, if you kind of say, oh, I look, you know, you look all right today. And, you know, and if that person's kind of, oh, yeah, but, you know, I, I didn't have enough time to, you know, to put my makeup on properly or my hair and things like that. It's an unhelpful way of thinking because all you're doing is just stacking up all this kind of negative information. So anything good that comes along, it's just, it doesn't affect the balance. And, and, people, and that's all that kind of people then stuck seeing is that kind of negative side of the picture. So what kind of what you're doing is kind of maintaining kind of this kind of positive balance. You're able to kind of see the other side of the coin and, and you know, in, uh, in, a, in a particular form of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, it's called positive data logging. It's the idea of, you know, rather than kind of standing in front of the mirror and saying three good things, you know, to yourself, it's that kind of what do I do every day? that tells me something positive about myself? What is it that I actually like about myself? Um, and it could be simple as, you know, 
um, you know, I made myself a, a cup of tea, you know, and I asked if anybody else wanted one. And the kind of the question would be, well, what does that tell me about you as a person? Why is it that you do that? Because you don't have to make tea for everybody else. You don't have to ask them, but you do it for a reason. You know, so what does that tell us about your kind of characteristics? You know, and that might kind of say, well, I'm a thoughtful or helpful or considerate person. And that's kind of just reminds you of, well, OK, that's that's who you are. So when you kind of, you know, those negative thoughts are kind of going, well, you're useless. What's the point? You know, nothing's going to change, you know then that's the kind of the saving grace is being able to kind of see that kind of positive information. But, you know, when people start to kind of get a bit down, they overfocus on that. And that just becomes that uh, that's their, their day to day life of what to expect. Yeah. yeah. I saw a lot does that of answer your question. question? I thought, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it does. Totally. Sorry. I just sort of a couple of things that you were saying in there, um, you know, not to pop on about the children too much but I thought wow that 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 can be Charlie all over or even Jake sometimes I mean I remember sort of that it was last lockdown I had to sit him on my lap because I was just saying you're just such a negative Nancy today and anything that we are saying or anything that he's doing it was just rubbish and he was getting really mad and really upset and just it was absolutely everything it didn't matter what happened and um you know Charlie was the same when he was little and even sort of now it just could be really sort of sad a lot of the time and quite um you know anything that was meant to be fun and enjoyment like bowling obviously wouldn't go our way so we would just get really really cross would go to the zoo and all the animals would be facing the wrong way you know everything um there would be sort of a negative element to it and just trying to get them to sort of flip that around and see the positive yeah yeah and if you start your day you know waking up and feeling a bit rubbish and if you tell yourself today's gonna be shit it probably is gonna be because you're gonna look for it you know so this morning every traffic light's gonna be working against you it's gonna be red you know every driver is purposely trying to make you late today you know and again that look that your boss gives you or the teacher gives you you know just kind of says everything you know about kind of how much they hate you and they don't like you and you're no good and you know and all these kind of assumptions that we form from that but that's because again we've told ourselves that today's could be rubbish therefore we find reasons to believe that you know and again kind of what Sal's kind of saying well it's about kind of well, how can I make the most of this day what am I going to achieve in this day you know and does that make my day worthwhile if I can achieve those things yeah, but then if you don't achieve those things, what do you tell yourself to kind of help that? It's the case, well, at least I tried, you know, at least I kind of made the good go of it rather than just kind of like, oh, well, I didn't achieve anything, therefore I'm just a failure again. You know, that's just more evidence of why I don't succeed. And it's that kind of how do you kind of create that balance again? How do you kind of keep yourself kind of going um, rather than just kind of go, well, you know, this is typical for my life. And, and you form this kind of almost like a narrative of, this is kind of, you know, this is what I deserve or this is kind of what I expect because this always happens to me. It doesn't seem to happen to anybody else. And this is, again, usually kind of where people start to kind of identify that they're, they're probably kind of depressed because, again, it's that why is it that everyone else looks happy and I can't seem to get there like everybody else can? Um, and it is. It's about you know, that balance is massively shifted. So in terms of magic wand type of question, 
if you could if you could change something either with within the children's mental health space what what would it be from from your point of view mark tough question can you, isn't it? Can you can explain you that a bit more what do you so if i had a magic one within what way i would i would have that remove that or my perceived view that opening up in front of your pals somehow makes you weak Mm. somehow makes it that you're not going to be popular and move that fear so mm. the children can talk openly about what what they feel like mm. without the fear of being judged yeah. yeah and probably to add on to that actually i think it's also about the idea that we're burdening other people because that's not true you know and this is something i have to kind of remind young people about that we sometimes get stuck into what we call self-fulfilling prophecies. That idea of, well, uh, you know, I feel something and I don't want to worry my parents. I'm not going to tell them, you know, anything. But because I'm not telling them anything, they start to worry about me. You know, and my experience of that is, well, you know, t- you know I've tried to help a situation that's not worked. It's because actually, accidentally, I've kind of created that situation. But I think a lot of people also kind of that if I tell my family, they're going to worry about me and it's going to stress them out. And and I kind of say to young people, well, why do you think they worry about you? It's because they love you. And that's a lovely thing. If they're not worried about you, they're probably not being a very good parent, to be fair. They're not doing their job, which is about, you know, being your teacher and your guide and there to kind of protect you at the end of the day. So the fact that this person worries about you says how much they care about you and the same with friends and stuff like that if someone is worried about you that really kind of reflects something quite lovely um but i think a lot of people kind of over focus on that being a negative as i've just made someone else feel bad and they feel a greater sense of responsibility about that um and i think that's yeah so it'd be great if people could talk about it but i think it's also yeah remove that fear of what are other people going to think about me are they going to see me as weak or not as good as anybody else but also the idea of we're not burdening people you know we're just kind of seeing kind of what matters in the relationship i think no i think that's yeah i really love that that's really lovely actually just to i'm going to tell that to everyone now (laughs) so mark what when you're not working uh in your day role what are you doing in terms of hobbies or not doing currently well not doing yeah um yeah so I'm, I'm a bit of a geek at heart so i do a bit of tabletop gaming so you know kind of warhammer and things like that and, oh awesome you know, yeah i mean i used to be uh, yeah I'm, I'm 33 years old so i used to be a bit of a gamer but then I had my my daughter and I kind of had to shut up. I had to stop being so loud. (laughs) Um, Why are you gamers all so loud? What is it? Why can you not control yourselves while you're on these devices? Both the boys, they are, oh my goodness, so loud. Why is that? Please share some light. It's it's kind of like dads at the football field, isn't it? Or parents (laughs) at the football field. It's kind of like, come on, you know, kind of shouting at your kids. It's the same Same thing, thing, isn't it? Yeah, you're in a team situation. Excellent analogy. Yeah, yeah, that's just shut down my argument completely, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's that kind of same thing. It's, it's you know, cheering people on or it's kind of expressing that frustration or whatever it is. But um, yeah, but it's, again, it's just like 
it's like being on the phone, isn't it? If I was on the phone at one o'clock in the morning and my kids are trying to sleep in the other room, it's, yeah, it'd still be a problem. So, uh, yeah, so I had to find a quieter hobby, um, which then, ironically, I, I then tried to find one of the louder hobbies, which I tried to get into blacksmithing, actually. Um, wow. Oh, wow, my yeah. God. Well, I work so much for people and I never see the end product. You know, that person leaves and they go on to with their life and I never really know what happened. Um, yeah. so, so I wanted something tangible. I wanted to kind of finish something and, and it to be there. And I don't know why does blacksmithing just kind of jumped into my mind, really, and uh, something to kind of try out. Yeah. How do you try it? That's is, so is cool. That stuff you can get at home to do? Or? <laughs> Surely yeah, not. Generally. Maybe the I mean, apron. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you can get, you know... Um, yeah, I mean, there's different ways of kind of getting started. I mean, there's um, the easiest thing to do, as I said, with any hobby. Um, I mean, this is something I was going to start thinking about with, with Hobbies Health Projects is actually what stops us kind of from doing something new. And it's quite often that kind of, well, how much money I'm going to have to put into it, you know, what's available to me. And, you know, and the idea of kind of doing something sometimes on our own is that kind of like, well, you know, what's it going to be like? Mm. And that kind of, you know, anxiety of it. So, I mean, I... I just found some kind of Facebook groups just to kind of see what's going on. And generally there's a lot of people doing the same thing saying, this is my basic setup. How do I do that? Um, quite often there are classes happening throughout the country. So again, if you search blacksmithing classes, again, you can get a lesson like a day course or a half day course and just give it a go um, and to see how you feel. And again, then, you know, you can create a bit of a basic startup at home, you know, from for various different amounts of money or, Again, if there's a group of you band together, give it a go. Um, so oh, that's blown me a... away. I love that. Just, I think it's just brilliant. Yeah. Well, well it's the same like with the, the tabletop gaming kind of thing. Is you know, I was painting these models that I'd spent you know thirty quid on for like five men, which is stupid. And it's then it's that. Well, I've just painted these. I kind of want to do something more with them. So you mm. know, again, find, find your local, local group, group, you know, yeah, and just, just give it a go. go. And, and just, just you know, because yeah. at the end of the day all these people are gathered under the same banner. They're there under the same interest. Yes. You know, and that's going to be your common connection. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't have to be anything else about your past or anything like that. It's just that, you know, go and join the hobby for what it is. You know. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. I love that. I did read, uh, you're doing voiceovers. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I'm trying to. Um, that's, that's kind of my new project for the year. Because again, I think with the whole kind of effect of COVID on me and my work is that I'm, I wasn't seeing people face to face anymore. Mm. Um, and again, okay. young people being quite a tough situation, it just felt like quite largely we're just kind of keeping them in a bit of a holding pattern and just kind of keeping them okay and stopping you know, from dipping too low, but not really affecting huge amount of change. Well, that was my personal feelings about what I was uh, achieving. So yeah, there was just a question to myself that kind of said, yeah, what else could I do with my life? What else could I do differently? Um, and I don't know why I just kind of thought the idea of some voiceover work, you know, and how could that also fit in with my mental health work? So I thought about kind of doing some online training and things like that. Um, so, yeah, it's still very much in the early development. I'm still trying to work out what kind of brand I want to establish for Hobbyist Health. Um, yeah, and where direction to go. But it was just that. I felt a bit stuck. I was not feeling very happy in what I was doing. And I just kind of thought, let's just change my energy and put it into something different. These are all really cool things, though. Yeah. They're not just, you know, a, 
I don't know, Sudoku while you're on the loo. These are real yeah. exciting things. You could be sat next to anyone at a dinner party, Mike, clearly. You've got yeah. all these different genres of expertise. Love it. Well, I think things like the online kind of game and kind of side of thing, I think, yeah, um, I think it's kind of, some things are kind of not part of the mainstream. And I think that's kind of what I quite like because I get, we get so, kind of, again, over-focused on kind of, you know, boys should play football or sports or something like that and girls should do something mm. else. Again, it's that stereotype stuff. Uh, and, the, you know, there's a cohort of young people out there who don't follow the mainstream. And again, it comes back to that kind of script thing of the idea of, um, you know, there are some young people who have thrived in lockdown because they don't have to talk to people. Yes. You know, the socially anxious, for example, or people with a very kind of large online presence, you know, who yeah. find people like them online because that's where they all gather. Because mm. in high school, they're not together. They're not in the same places and there's not enough of them to kind of form this kind of friendship base. So they find each other online. Yeah. Uh, and again, the same is with starting anything new, a hobby or anything like that, is there'll be somewhere, someone out there who's doing the same thing you are and it's just a case of connecting with them. Yeah, that's really lovely. And if anyone wants to get hold of you to do voiceovers, how would they do that? Uh, so, yeah, the, the website has a contact me section. So, yeah, hobbieshealthprojects.com. Um, again, you know, I'm, uh, I'm on uh, something called mandy.com, which is a, uh, a voiceover kind of job site. Uh, and again, Twitter, Hobbyist Health. Uh, uh, you can get in touch with me through that way. That's brilliant. Well, it's been absolutely amazing speaking to you today, Mike. Yeah, I've absolutely loved it. Thank you so much for your time. Really, really appreciate really it. Yeah, it? yeah, really good. Amazing. Thanks ever so much. Loads of food for thought. Thank you for, for Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, like, give feedback, and if you can, give us a five-star rating. Love you all. Peace out.